Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. This week's guest is New York-based Jennifer G. Sullivan, a beauty journalist with 20 years experience, and she's also the co-host of one of the biggest beauty podcasts ever, Fat Mascara. Alongside Jessica Matlin, who is Director of Beauty at luxury online retailer Moda Operandi, Jen started Fat Mascara back in 2016. More than 400 episodes later, Jen and Jessica have they've just got this really chill, balanced approach to anything and everything happening in the beauty industry. They love to discuss and it's really easy to see why Fat Mascara has become so popular. If you're a regular listener to Fat Mascara, you might have actually heard me on there more recently in episode 404. I'll be sure to leave a link in case you missed it. And that was the first time I met Jen, virtually at least. I had such a good time. Jen made me feel so welcome. It felt like I was just chatting to a friend. I knew that I had to have her on Beauty Me. I really wanted to be able to flip things on Jen and interview her and be nosy about her beauty experiences and experiments, her morning routines, especially because she's kind of a nerd when it comes to the science part. I don't think she'll mind me saying that. And of course, I ask her about her favorite beauty products right now. So stay tuned for that. Along the way, we discuss everything from foreskins in Jen's favorite serum to sex and travel and there are lots of 80s influences in there. And we also touch upon how the pandemic affected Jen in a really personal way. Her words are a reminder that COVID affected many of us in many different ways, some more painfully than others. I'm glad Jen airs her thoughts because I think she's speaking for a lot of people and I'm so grateful that she was able to speak so freely and honestly with me. So have a listen and let me know what you think. So Jen, journalist, editor, podcast host, we're definitely going to get into all of that, but I really want to be nosy first. You must get sent a million products, you must try a million things, but I want to know what is your real, real morning routine? Like the truth from when you open your eyes, like take me through your morning. (laughs) The truth is I want to be one of those people that has like, the whole plan. It's different every day. I'm not a creature of habit at all. The non-negotiable is coffee and I'm spoiled. And my husband usually makes it for me and brings it to me while I'm still in bed. Okay. Get you a man who. (laughs) Mine too. My husband's like a qualified barista. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. We, I'm obsessed with La Colombe. It's this coffee company from Philadelphia where I'm from actually. And you know, the beans. I don't know the beans, but when we were when we we're in New York, I get that um, draft one. It's like, oh my god! Yeah, so we order the beans in bulk, and he makes it for me with some fancy AeroPress technique and whatever he nerds out. And yeah, I read. I mean, the first thing I do is open the New York Times app usually to check the headlines, like not the beauty headlines, the big world headlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the only thing I do on my phone when I first wake up before I get out of bed. I don't do social. I don't want to wake up to other people's lives. I don't want to wake up to that feels like work to me, you know, and, and same with checking emails. And I don't, I need to ease into that, <laughs> if you will. So, and then I don't wash my face in the morning, which I know weird some people out. 
but I feel like I have dry skin and it didn't really get dirty overnight. Got some good sebum going on, but it's not dirty. So, uh, I have my breakfast then I sit down in my office, home office studio slash also where I put on my makeup and do my skincare and get to it. Well, I just want to go back to the not washing your face. Cause I know yeah. that's like definitely a lot of people have really got into that the past couple of years, perhaps during the pandemic, actually, I think more people got yeah. more switched onto it, but so you wake up, are you putting anything on your face? Are you doing any moisturizer? SPF I'll splash it with water. Uh, a, cause then I'm going to put moisturizer on and I want to seal in a little bit of hydration. B eye boogies, sleepies in your eyes. Like you need a little refresh, right. But yeah. just to rub it around. And then depending on how dry I am that day, I will I'll first put on my serum. Usually these days it's skin medica TNS. It's like got epidermal growth factors. It's like a do everything anti-ager anti-ager. So I'll put on some epidermal serum growth factors. That sounds like really, yes intense. It, yeah. Well, this serums are actually, if I, the original place, these epidermal growth factors came from is a foreskin that was donated and grown in a lab. I'm not lying. Okay. But it doesn't have the cells from a human in it. It was like grown. And then the cytokines and all the growth factors in the Petri dish around it were collected, purified, et cetera, et cetera. You can do a lot of research on epidermal growth factors, but they're kind of like the do everything. You know how everybody's always like retinoids, they do everything. I can't tolerate retinoids personally. Uh, I get really sensitized to them. They dry out my skin more, even like, even the really good buffered ones. So the epidermal growth factors, I feel like I'm getting um, some turnover, some collagen boosting, some spot fading, all that good stuff wrapped up into one that I can tolerate. So I put on that sometimes an antioxidant serum. I'm not precious about it though. Mm -hmm. Then we load on the moisture, depending on how dry anywhere from like an event to like Charlotte Tilbury magic cream. If I need to like go there, Beekman 1802 Doré, the Garant's Doré brand. I've been trying. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these new skincare, there's so much skincare. Like I can't even do my job anymore to test it. People write to me about products and I'm just like, I don't know. I never, I didn't try that one. I will try and put it in my rotation to test it for you. Um, this it's really nice. I, there's this big trend towards no fragrance and moisturizers. And personally that doesn't usually bother me. In fact, I like fragrance. I want to feel like I'm having an experience, you know? So this one's unfragranced. So it's nice. It's rich. It blends in really well, but like, I like a little something. Um, Sometimes I do a latest skin food. You, you do that. The regular one, like the, the regular that people put on their Ooh. elbows and stuff. I know it has <laughs> a bit of essential oils. Again, I think it all depends. I think it's like calendula and something else. And there's a tiny bit of fragrance from the essential oils that does not bother my facial skin. I know for some people, essential oils can, um, but I like it thick. <laughs> like I want moisture. So those are some of the ones I've been using. Um, but the, with moisturizer, I'm not precious. There's not one I go back to like with my serum where I'm like, this is my serum, you know? Yeah. So what's your serum then? The TNS, the skin medic I was telling you about oh, with yeah. the epidermal growth factors. The full skin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, the, honestly, I wrote about it once. I was like, I know this is going to be called the penis serum for like forever. It's fine. It's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> What about SPF? Are you trying lots of different SPFs right now this summer? Always. I lately have been liking uh, this brand from Australia called 
Naked Sundays. I was joking with the founder that you just have to put a day of the week in your brand name and it's going to be popular <laughs> now. There's like yeah. Summer Fridays, yeah. Saturday Skin, Naked Sundays. Uh, I just think the Australian companies are so good at making sunscreen. They really are. They yeah, know what's so. up. <laughs> Ultraviolet is another good one. I don't know. you. Do you have that in the UK? Love it. Love it. I love the fragrance. It's great. You know, the, that rosy. Oh, it's rose, one. I think. Yes. Like you said, I actually really like fragrance. If if it's a fragrance that I don't like, then it's a problem. But if I like the fragrance, it's just, it makes it more enjoyable. You take a little bit more time to rub it in and breathe it in. So I'm not anti-fragrance either. Yeah, that's a really good one. We don't have it in the States because the uh, ingredient that they use for sunscreen is not yet approved here. So I'm surprised because I feel like America is the place that like lets everything in. It's so weird, except <laughs> for sunscreen, because that's considered um, a drug, which is the FDA is in charge of like the things that are drugs, like for acne products, a couple other things for cut co- like cosmetic over the counter. They are so strict. Hello, bureaucracy. Don't even get me started on the government in the United States, especially Not this month. Yeah. But things move slowly on that front. So we're really behind as far as sunscreen goes and probably acne products, too, for that same reason. Otherwise, it's like Wild West, whatever, <laughs> penis, penis cream. It's all good. Put some foreskin cells in there. No, the, to be clear, the foreskin cells are not in the, in the serum. The epidermal growth factors created by them in a lab were, okay, I'm done. Just to like segue very quickly, just, you know, you mentioned what's been going on recently and I didn't want to bring it up because I know it's, it's a really sensitive time, right? People are angry, terrified, upset, but you being, you know, a woman in the States and obviously, you know, like you said, you checked the New York Times like straight away. How have you, how's it been making you feel personally, the whole reverse of Roe versus Wade affecting abortions and more? I mean, I cried. Like it gives me, it still raises the hair on my arms. I have chills right now thinking about it. And I have a good friend who's a lawyer and he's, he studies the Supreme court and he assures me, this is not a slippery slope to losing more rights as women, but we don't really have a good record on that. As far as human rights, when it comes to certain issues here in the United States, be it race related, gender related, gender affirming related. So I'm scared. I'm really scared. And you know, I live in a state, I live in New York state. And that's the weird thing. People don't realize about the United States. Like there's so many little countries within it. There's 50 tiny countries with their own constitutions within it. So I do feel pretty secure that my state is going to still offer that health care to women for the foreseeable future, but you never know. It just creates more of a divide that was already happening in this country between uh, two different worlds that are like not able to find any resolution in the middle, which is like kind of how democracy is supposed to work. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm scared most of all. And I think I passed the anger phase. I with people that are angry. I get it. But it's just like, what are you going to do after the fact? Like, you know, this is this is law now. So now let's go vote and see if we can fix things. But it's a it's a shame. I'm embarrassed to be American. It's so interesting to me because I always wanted to move there and like bit by bit it's like less and less it's just 
how you know it's meant to be one of the thought leaders and it's it's really not to go back 50 years is frightening it's like I thought we were getting closer to something you know I think that people in power when the world starts changing they freak out and they hold on to their I I get it those are the morals and values of a very select few and they're based on religion but guess what you're not the boss of the whole world just because of your religion. That's just how's that been going for you for the last 2000 years? Not well. So like, <laughs> sorry. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you. In fact, this past year I got my German citizenship and mostly because my stepson lives there and I wanted to be able to vi- visit him no matter what, especially as things change in the world with the pandemic and things. But lately I'm like, I don't know if the shit hits the fan. My husband and I are both like, maybe we move to, which is hilarious to me. My, my grandparents are freaking refugees, like religious refugees from Germany. Well, they were this country killed millions of their people. And yet I'm thinking about going back there because maybe it's safer than the United States. Weird times. Weird times. Wow. You're giving me chills now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So. You'll be a lot closer to me. So, you know, hop over. over. We can hang. We can hang. (laughs) Let's just take it all the way back to young Jen or Jennifer. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it was more Jennifer. It was Jenny, believe it or not, with an I that I dotted with a heart. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) Can you take me back to your first memories of beauty? Can you pinpoint anything for me? Oh, so many. I think one that stands out, I was around five years old and my mom and her sisters and my grandmother got their colors done. I'm putting colors in quote. So this woman came over with like, did all this quizzes with them and these swatches Were you a winter, summer, spring, fall. And then they got their colors done. And then based on that, they bought Shackley cosmetics, I believe she was selling, but there were a bunch of like door to door kind of Avon, you know, that sold them. And I thought the color binder that my mom got, she had a binder. She was a summer. I was obsessed with it. I just thought it was such a cool concept that these colors were the ones that made you look like you. And then the makeup, I always played with it. I just love the transformative quality of it, the collectability of it. Like I would, you know, just like little, instead of like Barbies, I had Barbies too, but like I wanted to play with the makeup. That's definitely one of the early, early. And the other was like perfume. My mom and dad went out like every Saturday night without fail. And like my mom would spray her perfume. For her, it was opium at the time when I was really little. Yes. Big 80s, like, yes, go get it. She's prog- she progressed through all the trends in the 90s. She was Estee Lauder Pleasure. Now she wears Proenza Schooler Arizona. I've updated oh. her as we go, you know, but she likes a signature scent. And my grandmother, Ruby, she was who took care of me when I was sick. That's where I went after school sometimes. You know, I grew up with her like 10 minutes away. Uh, she wore Shalimar. So the scent of Virginia Slim cigarettes. And Shalimar is like the most comforting smell to me because that's grandma. So it's between the fragrance and the beauty. But like, yeah, when I was really little, I was very much into into that stuff. So how did that translate when you got into like actually wearing makeup, experimenting with your own look yourself? I did it more like I did it. I feel like I would have been very into YouTube because I did it more at home to do it like a like a character. And then I'd wash it all off before I went to school. I was a swimmer, soccer player. I did track for a while in college. I did sports. I didn't have time for a full beat. Like I was sweating. (laughs) I was in the pool. 
So I was very minimal in my own presentation to like the high school and others, but at home, I would have so much fun playing with makeup. Um, I remember my aunt Ellen got me a caboodles and it had like, I forget color ribbons. It had like these pastel eyeshadows, like all the eighties trends. Like I did it all. And then when I finally started doing my own makeup, like in like high school, it was Blackberry, which was the color from Revlon, New York or Clinique Black Honey. I just did a goth purpley lip and that was it. I didn't even do mascara. What was I doing? I don't know. Back then you have the lashes. But that's kind of cool right now. Yeah. Like- actually a bare face when your skin's amazing because you're young with a Blackberry <laughs> lip. I thought I was. Oh, and I had uh, I also was obsessed with this magazine called Sassy. And so there was a cover of Kurt Cobain and he had his red hair and I found out he used manic panic hair dye. And I was like, I'm going to use manic panic hair dye. I also liked Claire Danes from my so-called life. I don't know if you know that show. This is like, I never I was watched like it, but I definitely know it. Yeah. Like grunge era. This is when I like hit my peak in high school. So I forget what the character's name was, but she used manic panic as well. So I dyed my hair with rubine from manic panic so it was like red so i had like yeah red like burgundy because i i didn't know about bleaching your hair first to get it to be a color like i so assumed i was gonna put the manic panic on and have bright red hair i'm a brunette like i did not know about lifting like a wash (laughs) multi-process no i just like it was like a tint but i put enough of it that like it looked reddish it was a hot mess Plus, it was bleached from the chlorine. It was just disgusting, but I liked it. I thought it was a look. I bet it was. I mean, maybe, you know, if TikTok had been around, you would have done the whole, the bleach, I'm everything. I'm sure of it. I have tape recordings, cassette recordings of me and my best friend, like doing a radio show with each other. And then we have video, like VHS videotapes of us doing like dumbass dances. It's like TikTok before there was TikTok. Thank God there wasn't because then it'd be on the interwebs for all of you to see. So. That is so cute. Yeah. So you were destined to be doing this whole chatty thing. I guess. But I also think at that age, everybody thinks they're going to be an entertainer. A lot of people do. I don't know. My grandma wanted me to read the news and bless her. She passed away a while ago, but I'm like, I think I'm kind of like that grandma. <laughs> you, that's absolutely what you're doing now. It's just, you know, you're not on the morning telly. It's different. It's, you know, it's different. So many. Yeah. I don't think she would have even been able to imagine anything other than what comes out of that black box in the living room. Yes. I know. I think before my grandma passed, I like showed her Instagram and she was just like, that's nice. <laughs> she had no idea what it was. <laughs> you know, it's a hard concept <laughs> if you're born in 1928. So were you somebody that knew exactly what you wanted to do? Like you went to school, went to university, college, studied for journalism or Was it a different kind of route for you? I studied communications and psychology. I was convinced I wanted to go into advertising because I had watched this movie, Crazy People, that was like so inappropriate now if you think about it, but it was about advertising. I was like, I want to come up with taglines for products. And then in college, I I knew it was still into beauty. I did a whole thesis on cross-cultural interpretations of beauty with my psychology minor. And I was like, I'm going to go work for a beauty company and do advertising. And I did a bunch of interviews for jobs I did not get. Um, 
<laughs> which I laugh at now and thankful. The job I did get was at Sephora, which was just launching in the United States. And it was a marketing job. So it was like getting me there into advertising or whatever. But they were they were like, oh, we're going to be doing this like magazine online for the re- for the retail store. And I was the assistant to the editor in chief. So it was like kind of uh, branded content or you know, brand content before that was a thing. And mm-hmm. while I was there, I started to learn how to write more. And I realized, oh my God, why do I want to go into advertising where you get, you know, you don't write. It's all budgets and boring. I want to be in magazines. So then my next job after that was at a proper magazine. And then from there, the the career in beauty writing and beauty journalism kind of took off. I wouldn't say it took That's off, true. but it puttered forward. <laughs> <laughs> Journalist life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just keep keep moving. Yeah. But you know, the expertise that you must have now and the experiences and just the knowledge. I mean, was that what led you to start a podcast or was it Jessica's idea? Like how did this So the podcast, my co-host Jessica Matlin, it was her idea. What's funny is we barely knew each other when the pot when this was like 2015 or 16. And we ended up on a trip together to Ghana to learn about shea nuts. And there were only like two other people on the trip. And so she and I, the woman that set up the trip was like, oh, you know, Jess. And I was like, I don't know, Jess. She thought we were like good friends. She's like, in my head, you guys would be good friends. So we met on this trip. I literally met her in the airport on the way to Ghana. We bonded on this trip and it was the most amazing experience. And then when I got back, we stayed in touch and she was like, listen, I'm thinking of doing a podcast for beauty. And she took me out for a drink and I was like, oh, genius idea, genius. And I, and she's like, but, but they said, cause she was working with the production company, I should really have a co-host. And so I immediately start shouting at her. Okay. You should do this person, that person. Oh, you know, so-and-so over at Vogue. And I'm like listing names of th- people that I think should be her co-host. And she's just looking at me with this funny look, like you are not getting it. And then she's like, well, I was thinking maybe you, and I was like, Oh, okay. So we met with this production company. Um, they funded us to do like a sample episode and then they were like, let's do it. So we weren't getting paid or anything. And they were just, it was experimenting. It was like early in podcasting and they were just, they gave us, you know, a producer for two hours a week. And we put out the podcast for the first two years with that production company, which is called embassy row, which is part of Sony now. Um, and it was great. Cause at that point we were experimenting and not that many people were listening. So we really got time to get our groove and our chemistry, become friends over the podcast, learn how to do a podcast. And then by the time they were like sort of shutting down their podcasting group, we were like, let's buy it back from our, for ourselves. And let's really do it. And so now it's self-produced, um, but that's how it got its start. Wow. And the name, like who, who came up with the name and why? Both <laughs> of us. Like. So when we were doing it, we were both like, okay, we can't make it beauty podcast. It's too obvious. And at the time, the K-beauty craze was just like coming into the United States. And we're like, you know how their products are so amazingly named? And it's like this thing you didn't even know you needed a water cream until you heard the word. And there were just these amazing evocative names. Dior Show Mascara was also huge. I think it was Dior Show with that huge brush, right? I I actually thought that always comes into my head when I think about mascara because it was just a fat brush. <laughs> the mascara would go brush. everywhere. <laughs> and we were like brainstorming and giggling. I think Jess came up with it, but the joke was like, we were like, you're going to go to the store and pretty soon the mascaras are going to be like the size of like a round brush for your hair. Because the 
the hyperbole of this industry that we are in, it's ridiculous. They're like, it's going to change your life. It's a supersonic serum with hyperspeed, blah, blah, blah. And we wanted to make sure that people knew that we are in on it. We are have expertise, but we also can poke fun a little bit that it is such a crazy, crazy marketing scheme and world. So that's how we came up with the name. And then it stuck. We also realized FM is also the audio dial in the States. So we were like, okay, it kind of goes with the radio vibe. Obviously, I don't have a co-host. So what would you say are like the best things about having a co-host? Do you think you guys are friends first and then co-hosts or? Well, we were co-hosts first and became friends. And because, you know, I didn't know her when we, I knew her, but we were not at all friendly. And I've, over the course of five, six years that we've been doing this, learned so much about her along with the audience. So I feel like that's kind of brought them into our friendship. We get messages all the time that people are like, I feel like I know you because we got to know each other together. And the best thing about having a co-host is someone to chat with, like someone to play off of, someone to listen to you. And also we balance each other. We're very different personalities. And I feel like if someone doesn't like me, then they might be a just person. They might like her more and they're listening for her so that they can agree with her when she's like, Jen, you're being ridiculous, which is half the fun, right? Like I listen to podcasts. I want to like give my opinion and stay on the side of somebody. So I think that's what makes it good. And then we both have very different interests. So like, I'll bring this nerdy science and she loves the business of beauty and glamour and things like that. So we balance each other that way. What would you say is the best kind of guest (laughs) that you can have on a podcast? Opinionated, not too media trained, smart, funny. There you go. Succinct. (laughs) Yeah. What's the worst kind of guest you can have? Oh, Sharice. Okay. You know. All right. We've got like one type of bad guest is somebody who is overly media trained, who just has their talking points and doesn't listen to the questions that you're asking. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's so annoying. And it's like, they're going to say what they want to say, regardless of what you've asked them. And it's really hard to get a conversation going when people aren't listening to each other. Speaking of politics, you know what I mean? Like, so I would say that's a pretty bad guest. Long talkers I can work with in post and edit. So if it's somebody who tends to like keep a story going and repeat themselves, I've noticed people that are very long-winded tend to actually just say the same thing a couple different ways. So I'll pick the best way that they said it and edit out the other two. Yeah. Yeah. You you want them to come across well. That's one thing I've always said in my head or to my husband that's my producer, whoever it is, I never want that person to appear in a negative way do you know what I mean it's like I know you I know what you're trying to say but I'm gonna cut out those 10 minutes and just get to that one minute where you like really got the point across and most people honestly don't know that they've been edited like they think that's what they sound like which is the best goal (laughs) that means I did my job I took out the likes and the ums I made it more succinct So there are some people that I need to do that. And if I've kept the heart of what you were trying to say, you don't even realize that you were edited. So I wouldn't say those are bad guests, but they're definitely more challenging and take more time. But I also don't mind a guest that doesn't agree with me because I think that's like fun. I like, I'm not one of these people that's like hides from confrontation. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not confronting. I'm a kind person, but like, I like a little, a little edge to a conversation because that's when you get to the good stuff. Yeah. And it's real. 
how would you deal with a difficult guest? Like, I feel that you can get vibes from somebody through even a laptop. Have you ever had someone where you, from the get-go, it's just like, this is going to be tough. And how do you work with that? I think I shorten up the questions I was going to do so that I don't have to be talking to them that much longer. I know it's going to be a short episode. Maybe I'm going to edit it. I I really try to listen to them because sometimes I'm like, why are they being annoying? And you can always find commonalities with a person or you can tell what their agenda is or what's interesting to them. And I'll just pivot in the moment to talk about what clearly they'd rather be talking about than the questions I was asking. And that's usually with what's happening when you're not vibing with a guest. Sometimes people come on and like, listen, they're high or something. I've had guests where I'm like, she's definitely high, which is fine. But that makes it hard too, because people tend to like be in their own world sometimes. Or they're just like, you can tell they had a bad day. And I always think about this, even in my own personal life. Like if you have an interaction with somebody on the subway, I'm like, I don't know what happened to that person this morning. They could be having the worst day of their life. And I'm going to give them the empathy to just like, let them be. So I've never ended an interview. And I think maybe once we didn't use an interview because there wasn't, but like that's in 400 episodes. So we'll always make it work somehow. And honestly, those episodes where we're not vibing with someone, our listeners always know, and they DM us privately and they're like, oh, you did not like (laughs) so-and-so. So like, even if your words are saying one thing, your voice and the way that you're interacting is conveying another. And the people that are our ride or die kind of listeners, they know. So that makes it fun for them too. Cause they're like, I hated her too. Yeah, no, I've only, I have to say in my, like, I'm only on like 127 or something, but I've had one and that I actually thought about not putting it out, but I was like, no, mm. because I was also trying to be consistent and I was like, it's still that person's story and they gave me time, but yeah, DMs were just like. Did you, people knew. Yeah. I oh, now I'm trying like to think if I can figure out who it was. <laughs> mm. I doubt it. But we'll it was talk very offline. down. It was just down yeah like, there's nothing I can only be me and I can encourage you but you're down yeah negative you have to over emote on audio I think for it to come across because you don't have all those visual cues that people are used to so yeah, yeah. some people's energy doesn't really translate to audio yeah it's kind of cool because I feel like when the pandemic hit and we were, we were thinking of zoom for me I was a little bit like oh is it going to affect stuff but actually not really. I do still think you can bond with somebody and feel warmth, feel when they don't want to talk, you know, you, if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned the pandemic then. I would just really love to know. I don't like it's weird. I don't like to talk about it so much because I know to many people it's over. But I also I don't think it's over. I think it's still relevant. And I think that anyone that has been through it will be feeling effects for potentially years anyway. Um, And I know you seem like somebody that, you know, you've got a full plate with work, with the podcast, you've got your husband, dog, (laughs) like, but what was it like for you? Because you definitely come across as like someone, I love like the science nerd part of you, but it's definitely done with like a bubbly, like fun side, but, How are things for you throughout this? I'll tell you, you know, since you brought it up, there's something that I was like, I've been wanting to talk about this on my podcast. Hopefully you don't mind. I talk about in yours. The thing that lately everybody's just like, I had a friend who was just like, oh, you know, my cousin got COVID. They were just laughing. Like, finally we got it so we can be over with it. Like we've had it. 
And I have other people that are just like, they make jokes about it now. And I know they know. So my husband and I lost uh, his father um, right before we got the vaccines to COVID. And it was the hardest. There was a lot of stuff going on with our family. It was the hardest year of our lives. And it was so unnecessary. He had his appointment for his vaccine. It was maybe four weeks later, but he slipped on the ice and had to go to the hospital. He was being so careful, but he had to go to the hospital because he slipped on the ice. And as he was getting moved out of the hospital, he he caught it in the hospital. And two weeks later, he was dead. And we had to look at him through a window at, you know, at the at the rehab place where he was and we couldn't see him and touch him. And so when people make light of it now, it's really hard for me because like, I get that we're all over it and it's, thank God we have these vaccines and thank God everything's moved on. I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up, but like, you have to remember that there's not one person that it hasn't touched. And maybe it was their own mental health that really took a hit during the pandemic. I know so many people that happened to, and it's fine now that we are moving on, but there's so much trauma that people are still going through. So I feel like people need to be a little bit more empathetic to that when they're talking about it. Like, I know it's over, but like just hearing people be flipping about like, haha, they got COVID. I was like, that would be like saying, haha, I met the guy that murdered your father. Not quite, but like, that's no, what it feels no, like. No. Sorry. Don't <laughs> say sorry. I wish I could hug you. I'm I'm sorry to bring it up. Like I didn't know. No, it, so it feels really to good you. to say that because I haven't been able to say that to my friends when they say things like, does it are no big deal? Like, haha, you know, not haha. They're not joking, but I want to be like, I know you're happy that you think COVID is nothing now, but it's what killed someone that I love. So, um, yeah. And then for me personally, it's funny. You called me bubbly. Uh, I sure. Yeah. I'm bubbly, but I'm definitely one of these, uh, Jess and I are both the same this way. Um, an extroverted introvert. Like I've taken all of the personality tests and I always come out as an introvert, which amazes people because I am very social and I have very comfortable in front of a crowd and, um, you know, public speaking. I like thrive on public speaking, but I get drained by interacting with others. Like I know people that like need to interact with others to feel alive and energized. I need 10 hours to not talk to anybody after I've talked to a bunch of people. And so for me, the pandemic was like, I was hiking. I was like, before we have the health issues and all that happens, like, you know, I didn't mind not being as socially active in that way. And also the podcast gave me an opportunity to connect with people, especially people who wouldn't have had time to come on the show prior to the pandemic. Like we, all of a sudden we're getting much, a lot more celebrities because they didn't have to be in New York in our studio. We still have a studio downtown in New York city. They just reopened it, but I'm like, why am I going to get someone to go there for three hours when then just 45 minutes on the computer? So it really opened up the world of guests that we could have on the show. And personally, you know, I built a home studio. I built a home office. It's funny, February 2020, I quit my job at Mary Claire before that, right before the pandemic, (laughs) thinking, okay you know, what's the future? It's not print journalism. I'm going to do the podcast. And uh, it's funny because in the next month, the whole world changed. So I can't tell what's me switching careers or versus the pandemic, but things that way have been, you know, they've been okay since then, I think getting the hang of it. I just wanted to thank you for like opening up to me. Thank (laughs) you for acknowledging it. And yeah, it's just something for people to be aware of, I think, because 
it's more people than you realize have been affected so negatively. So with that in mind, like, can you tell me a few things that you are excited about in life right now? Is it beauty? Is it travel? Oh, it's always travel. I remember distinctively the point in my career when I was like, okay, what do you want out of life? Oprah might've been involved. I don't know. Maybe it was like when you were supposed to do your affirmations and I, and everybody says, oh, I want to be happy. And I was like, all right, we got to dig deeper. What's going to make me happy. And then I'm going to make every decision in my life based on that travel. I want to travel the world. I want to meet new people. I'm a very curious person. I like asking questions, seeing new things, um, every day being different. So I structured my life so that travel could be a huge part of it. And that's also something that, you know, during the pandemic, we couldn't really do. I did it in the ways that I could, but, um, oh God, I cannot wait to travel more. I've already been on two trips this summer. I'm going to Alaska with my family. I'm going to be meeting up with my stepson in Portugal. We're going to have a, a holiday there thinking about those things excite me. And honestly, the podcast is always fun because if I get interested in something, I'm like, I'll have a guest on and we'll talk about it. And that'll be that week's episode. And then I'll move on to something else that I'm interested in because my curiosity can be, you know, satisfied that way. So it never feels like nine to five for me. 400 episodes in, you must have amassed some products that, you know, I think on your show, it's like raise the wand or raise a wand. But can you let me know, let me know three things that you are loving right now. Skincare, beauty, hair, you pick, but only three. But only three. Okay. And I mean that you really like them, Jen, like. Yes. Really. I am. I try every mascara, every single one. Same. Because. And I sometimes am like, why do people want like this one. It does not work for me. It's such a personal thing. Well, I'm a tubing mascara girl, so it needs to be a tubing mascara. And I thrive cosmetics has been it for me for the last couple months. Uh, they make an amazing mascara that does not smudge, but gives you volume and all the good stuff. But I will always take the non-smudging quality over the length, over the drama. I was like, I, when they do tests on TikTok and everybody's like, look how amazing it looks. I'm like, cool. Show me four hours later. Yes. When it's like down here, you can tell nothing from a mascara from using it for one minute. It's just so silly. Should I start that TikTok? Should that be my like, okay, now four hours later, now look at it. Do it. Maybe. Because the Fenty one was not working for me. I was very upset. No, that's the thing. You put it on and you're like, I look amazing. And then a couple seconds later, whatever it is, or even the wash off, if it's really hard to wash off and it like stains your under eye, now I got to get the cotton swabs out and go to town. Now I'm poking my eye and it got all red. Anyway, mascara. So Thrive, I always love. And I'm only allowed three, so I'm not going to tell you any other ones because that is the one. Second up. I got to go with a blush. Blush is the unsung hero of beauty for me. It's like, even when you like look the tiredest, you put on blush and it's like, okay, she looks like she's awake. So do you know dibs? Yeah. No. Um, I think it stands for Desert Island Beauty Supply. And there's definitely an influencer involved. And I cannot remember her name because I did not come to it through the influencing because this is a proper beauty brand. Like this is good product. This is not about her and her personality or him. I can't remember whose product it is. Anyway, they make this cream blush stick in multiple shades where there's a cream bronzer on one side and a cream blush on the other. And so you can sculpt a little with the bronzer or use that across your bridge of your nose or something or on your forehead. And then the blush on your apples and they're creamy and they sink in and they have staying powder power. Um, 
I can't believe I'm going with this for one of my three, but I'm doing it. It's kind of a double. <laughs> it's, it's, bro- it's bronzer and blush. I do like the sound of it. I do. Yeah. And then I got to go with that. a red lipstick as my final one. Cause that's my thing. Like, I know you're not going to be able to pick one then because how many do you have? Do you think? How oh many my reds? God, 40 at least, at least. And I'm always trying more. I really like a long wear. Again, it's about wearing for me. And Superstay from Maybelline was like my go-to for a while. But the Gwen Stefani brand's pretty good. Okay. Um, oh my god, I have so many. I love Mac lip products. They stay. I love a lip pencil that I can color my entire lip in. Mario Makeup by Mario's lip pencils are amazing. Love them. Love yeah, them. and they like stay and they lock stay. in. So I can't go with one. So I'm just going to go generically red lip. And I needed a little bit of a blue undertone, tiny bit of a blue undertone. I want my yeah. teeth to look white. I got to get my teeth whitened, actually. I love wearing red. But, um... Oh, I cannot. I did it once like 20 years ago. I've never been in more pain in my life. And I've had a multiple orthopedic surgeries. I've had double knee surgery. Whitening my teeth was the worst night of my life. So I whitened them. And then I spent the rest of the night with my forehead on my pillow and a cup beneath my mouth so I could just drool into it. I have never been in more pain. It's so it's that sensitive, nervy kind of pain. Yes. Don't you almost feel like air goes through your teeth? It's like nails on a chalkboard on your teeth all night long. And you could take an ibuprofen or whatever. That is not going to help because it's a special kind of pain. And I was like, you know what? That was the moment that I was like, beauty is not worth it. I was like, I'm never whiting my teeth again. I'll get dentures before I have to like do that again. It was so painful. And I've interviewed multiple people since to be like, what should you do? Put vitamin E oil on your gums first, brush with Sensodyne, and it builds up a little bit the week before. I've gotten all the tips. Sorry. It's still, no, that's a no for me. So (laughs) one more beauty question though. What's a brand that you're truly excited about right now? And I know there's like tons. We said Mm -hmm. this at the beginning. I really do feel like somebody needs to stop the beauty industry a little bit, like hone things in a little bit, but what is a brand that you are truly excited about or just interested in right now? I'm literally looking at all of my products and like things here and there will excite me, but I feel like I have such a critic's eye that if I like the product, I'm like, they could do their marketing message better this way. If I like the founder, I want to help them this way and have them change that. I'm so cynical about this industry that we're in. When I first came into it, I was like, I just, and I said, you know what? I'm still a positive person. I think that beauty like can really transform people's lives. Just the, just the products and learning how to care for yourself. I've had so many listeners be like, listen, I was going through a divorce or cancer. And like, I didn't even know how to put lipstick. You inspired me to put lipstick on. I feel so great. It's not like trying to conform to somebody else's standards or any of that. It's about you feeling good about yourself. So any brand that like makes me feel like, oh, little bit better, or if it makes you feel that I feel like that they're doing good thing. And I'm sorry, you can't do that with marketing messages, like where they're like, you do you girl. And the whole like vibe of that, it's so fake. It's still marketing. So I feel like put your products out there, stand by them, but don't do the whole spiel thing. Like, let us just try them and see how it makes us feel. Yeah. It's like, um, says the girl who like started out in marketing (laughs) last, last question. And I think I've explained to listeners before, they're probably tired of me explaining it. I always get hung up on the word beautiful. When I first started, I would always ask people what makes them feel most beautiful. And then I would be like, I would see some people squirm. I would see some people like visibly like not comfortable. 
perhaps it means that they they actually haven't felt beautiful. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I changed it to when do you just feel the most you? So, I mean, what do you think about the question itself anyway? Because obviously you're in the beauty business. What do you think about the word beautiful before I make you? It's such an overloaded word. First of all, the industry, I use beauty mean the industry and not the concept of beauty. And I wish we had a better word for it because the goal of all these products and these things we talk about and confidence is not to be quote unquote beautiful. It's like you said, is to feel, it's more like a confidence for me. Like it's just to feel good about yourself. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a weird word and it's just so much packed into that word. But I, 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 when I hear it, I think of generically, so I can answer that question, of course. And I would say when I feel the most beautiful is not the same as when I feel the most me. So I actually have two answers. Cool. Love it. I would say I feel most beautiful. I mean, after sex, <laughs> like when you're, you know, you feel good the person like got vulnerable with you, you're super vulnerable and they're still digging you. And like, you know, you're in a cloud of like, I'm a rock star. This person's a rock star. It's just this beautiful moment. And like, nobody cares. Well, for me, at least if it's done well, listen, if it's bad sex, obviously no, but if it's done well, you're not thinking about like, did I shave or, you know, I've got folliculitis on my butt. Now I'm like telling you all the things that I would think about afterwards. But anyway, I think that's when I feel (laughs) the most beautiful. And when I feel the most me is absolutely when I am outdoors on a mountain, usually hiking with like not no one else around, maybe me, maybe one or two other people that I'm hiking with, but I need to be outdoors. I need breezes. I need the smells of the forest around me. I need all of that. And that's when I feel like me. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to Jen for being so open with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a review. And of course, do please subscribe to Beauty Me on Apple Podcasts or follow me on Spotify. Make sure you head over to Jen at Fat Mascara on Instagram. Be sure to check out the podcast itself. If you've never listened before, you're in for a real treat with over 400 episodes to choose from. And if you're already a fan, I'd love to know what's your favorite episode. Let me know over in the DMs at Beauty Me Podcast and tag me when you're listening. See you next time.